Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we'll talk to someone who's pioneering movements in Southeast Asia. We'll call him Johnny. I began by asking Johnny how God called him to missions. Uh, as far as getting into this ministry, I think it started way before I actually became a follower of Jesus. I mean, uh, just to give you some background, um, my parents are actually from Southeast Asia, and uh, they came to the United States um, back in the early 80s during the war. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a unchurched um, Buddhist household. And so my background is actually um, Asian-American, so that's how, <laughs> that's how I identify myself. And uh, I think God used that because I grew up in many different cities all around the United States, uh, got into trouble, was always looking for uh, respect, you know, especially just growing up uh, really poor. Um, We grew up in these ghetto neighborhoods and uh, I would always, you know, just uh, get jumped into these these gangs and, and, you know, make friends. And, and, uh, um, you know, that led to just just um, moving from school to school, state to state and uh, Buddhist temple to Buddhist temple, and my parents um, would still find emptiness. And uh, it wasn't until um, I got out of uh, juvenile hall, right, as a teenager. I was about uh, 14 at the time. Mm. And uh, my parents sent me to, you know, California (laughs) to get away from gangs. Okay. Uh, (laughs) That sounds like a bad move. Yeah, yeah. But her logic was, you know, nothing worked, and... Mm. um, your cousins and your aunt was was going to church, and she heard that mm-hmm. church um, helped people, you know, and, and maybe church can do you some good. Uh, and so uh, as a teenager, I got on a plane, you know, um, left my immediate family, and I lived with my cousins. But I met a couple, and, and this is where, you know, uh, you asked me, how did I get into making disciples? I, I met a couple, a white couple, right? Mm-hmm. Um who just loved on me. Uh, they were actually uh, a couple who was um, compelled by the love of Christ to, to reach out to, to marginalized people, Southeast Asians, people from different parts of the world, refugees, and to love on them. And here I was, right, this, this, this gangbanger mm. um, being loved on by um, this white couple, and I had no idea why. And that's when I heard uh, the message uh, that God can change you, that he loves you. And that um, the path I was going was going to lead either to, 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 to jail or to death. And um, I was in this Bible study with a, bu- with a bunch of other gang members. But it was that, that experience and that love from people who were completely different from me. Uh, they came into my world, um, incarnated themselves into my neighborhood, and showed me a different way. And they actually adopted me and uh, took me in. And from the moment that I came to know Jesus, I was out on the streets um, sharing about my faith, uh, learning how to pray, uh, learning how to, you know, stop smoking and stop cussing and just completely transformed my whole worldview. And it was I was about 17 at the time Hmm. uh, going through this homeschool program. And they asked me about um, what, you know, they said, Johnny, what did you want to do with, with the rest of your life? And I had never actually figured I'd get that far. And um, I said, well, you guys have shown me that there are people, you know, in the United States who have never heard the gospel. 
And you guys have also shown me that there's people all around the world. I mean, you're talking about millions and billions, you know, millions of people in different countries who've never heard the gospel. And if I never heard the gospel ever since I was a teenager, I mean, you know, I'm 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 compelled to to, to go and to bring this 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 message to people who've never heard. And so that began my journey into mission, um, right the moment I came to Christ. So I think obedience was a key part, yeah. and. Uh, that, that's kind of really stuck with me. Well, what was the next stage in your journey towards your calling? Well, you know, it made a lot of sense, you know, as far as, okay, there are unreached people groups all around the world, um, and those in Southeast Asia, you know, um, in particular, right, um, especially coming from that background. Mm. I mean, I think God used those, and my experiences coming from a Buddhist background, um, also, uh, very much into worshiping spirits, and uh, I said, "Okay, you know that 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 means something." And so, in 2007, um, my wife and I we get, we were married for about two years. Uh, we served in the states, just doing a lot of urban work with inner city youth and just mm. you know church planning in an urban context. Um, so we we decided to you know uh, go to Southeast Asia, and we started off with just kind of you know hands wide open, um, hearts completely open to, to what God wanted to do. And um, uh, you said we wanted to make disciples of the nations. And I didn't quite know what that meant. Mm-hmm. You know? um, as, it, as when I was in college, I took my first trip to Southeast Asia. It was about 2001. And I did a trip all around, just kind of, you know, vision, survey. And I met a few individuals. And one couple really... Um, came into my life and I think you know them by Steve and Amy Parlato mm. but um, that was in 2001 and I met this couple and uh, heard their stories and I thought they were super intense you know I was mm-hmm. like, well they are <laughs> yeah and, 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 and they are and um, and so they, they, they really left an impression on me and yeah. uh, and and you know I came back a few years later and um, said okay if I'm going to make disciples and see um, if, if you know if, if, if I want to see indigenous churches, you know, plant other churches. You know, I'm, I'm going to seek out some of the best people who are doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, for the last few years, I've had some really good mentors. Uh, one of has been Steve. And uh, back in the early 2000s, I was introduced to this whole concept of church planting movements. You know, and and just kind of what God is doing around the world. And at that time. I still had no idea what that meant. <laughs> and so we get to this country, and we're just kind of, okay, let's let's engage, and, and, and however we can serve. And we started a, a business um, in development. Uh, we did a lot of water sanitation and education. And so from an urban context, I was thrust into a rural context, an animist culture, and a country that was completely close to actual Christian work. And the country is... Um, a small country and mm. it's very diverse, but very oppressive as far as mm. uh, Christian work, and, and 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 so and here I was, you know, okay, okay what's it going to take to see disciples and to see churches? And God introduced us to a group of people called the Sunny People. Okay, and um, that's a name you've chosen for that people group. Yes, that's right. Mm. That's right. So yeah, I mean, the, the country is very diverse, and so um, the Sunny People is about one hundred thousand. Um, and completely unengaged and unreached, meaning no one is even thinking or praying or 
or, or, or working towards mm. um, indigenous churches amongst the Sunni people. That was in 2007. 2008, um, again, I began the mentorship process with, with um, some older uh, missionaries. And I also took this training called the Jonathan Training. Mm-hmm. And that is focused more on um, casting vision and making a plan for reaching your target people. And that really helped me, um, number one, understand, okay, who are these people? And also, uh, what's it going to take? Not so much, you know, what what can I do, but what is it really going to take? And so we were excited. So we had this this plan, and it, and it included, you know, making disciples mm-hmm. and... Um, at that at that time, I, I had not I have not heard of this the principles of the person of peace or the four fields, mm-hmm. and we we were engaged in full time business for about four to five years, and during that time, I mean, God did tremendous things with the business. Uh, I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about just just the people, the context, we relationships, but there was not a single. Um, Disciple, and there was not a single okay. group of believers within that time frame. Hmm. Why do you think that was, uh, Johnny? Well, you know, a couple of things. Uh, number one, I think we had a lot of good ideas and a lot of good plans, uh, but we also had full time uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, God, God's use it, and 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 clean, clean water is. I mean, literally saving lives. I mean, yeah. this is a third world country. Yes. People are, are, you know, dying for wa- mm. from waterborne diseases. And I mean, praise God for, mm. for the ministry that we can have. Uh, but at the same time, um, we weren't being intentional. Uh, mm. We weren't being intentional about actually going, sharing the gospel, and raising up disciples. It was more of an afterthought. It's, okay, it was more of, you know, a side plan. Yeah. We said, hey, we need this platform in order for us to do discipleship. And um, so four or five years down, down the road, we began to really evaluate um, our platform and just, just our time. Hmm. And we said, okay, um, God has given us uh, the tools and the resources. He's, he's given us the relationships. Um, let's let's start, start messing around and let's start um, putting things into practice. And so we began uh, we in January of 2013, mm-hmm. one year of, of furlough uh, in the States. Uh, we actually um, started a new team and um, just kind of focusing on two things, you know, just, just kind of keeping things simple. And just two things. Uh, I think you can wrap around. All, all our activities are wrapped around just two major things, which is praying and going. Mm-hmm. We, we started literally praying um, every you know, tool, every method, every shape. I mean, uh, we had different people come with us, and we started entering into these empty fields. There's over 130 different villages, uh, you know, spread mountains, uh, streams, and, and, and rivers and jungles. We literally started going. So we, we got on our, our motorbikes and mobilized both foreign teams and both teams within the country, mm-hmm. um, both local people, and said, okay, um, let's go. And it was in one of those earlier trips where we were prayer walking. Um, we got into this valley. It took us about two hours to get down this, this mountain path. And we were praying through these villages. And we knew that they were sunny people. Um, but we didn't know a single person. Mm-hmm. And 
just a few weeks later, we got news that there was a family from that very valley that was interested in knowing more about Jesus. Um, they had heard um, from a local believer that Jesus uh, could heal, because uh, there was a woman named, I will just call her Mrs. Mrs. Yellow, mm-hmm. who was oppressed by evil spirits for over 13, 14 years. Uh, she would go into these different episodes where she would just scream or yell or cry, and she would speak in a different voice. I mean, these people have been under the um, influence and oppression of evil spirits, I mean, for generations. Hmm. And for her, she was definitely un- under the influence of, 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 of demonic oppression. And they tried everything. They went to shamans and witch doctors, and now they're going to try Jesus. And so they actually come into the district town. And uh, we find out that they're here, and they, they are actually from the sunny people group that we've been praying. And we find out that she's from the actual village that mm. we've prayed in. Um, and so throughout, you know, a process of um, just deliverance, just praying for her. I mean, I'm just a, I'm just a kid from the ghetto, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm learning as I go. The same with, with our team. Uh, we have a team of uh, local believers. Mm. And we're just praying and we're reading from the word, uh, asking for God to heal her in Jesus' name, you know, um, set her free. And hours and hours of praying, there's no breakthrough. Mm. And finally, we just feel like giving up. We're so tired. We just want to go to sleep. You know, we just want to uh, just just take a break. And we say, God, just, just take care of Mrs. Yellow for just this night. And at that moment, when we wanted to give up, uh, when we had no more strategies, no more ideas, that's when she kind of came to, you know, mm-hmm. that's when she kind of blinked her eyes and she, and, and she said, oh, she recognized her faces. Like, you know, she said, you know, a pastor so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, what, you know, what's going on? And right before, um, we, right before we had that breakthrough, the, the demon actually spoke, you know, he, he actually, it, it, it actually spoke, you know, it said, you know, I can't leave this woman. The demon was speaking in, in, in the sunny language. If I leave this woman, I have no place to go. Mm. You know, and, and we're like, we don't care where you go. Go back to wherever you came from. In the name of Jesus, leave. We command you. And the demon goes, you know, if I leave this woman, then, then God will come to this valley. Wow. Mm. And so we, you know, we see breakthrough that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and through a process of discipleship, uh, teaching her and her family uh, what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, we had some basic commands of Christ that we used. Um, what does it mean to um, to repent? What does it mean to be baptized? What does it mean, you know, that, that God is all full over everything, every mm. spirit? Um, so just these basic lessons that we help, they're, they're actually stories that we use. And over the course of two months, three months, four months, you can see her improving. Um, and now she's completely free. And that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, no believers, no churches in that valley. Um, now there's um, anywhere from um, about two churches in the valley and anywhere from, I would say, uh, 10 to 12 different families, which is about 40 to 50 people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, spread throughout um, five or six different villages in the valley. Wow, that's wonderful. And, yeah. And so the, the demon was right. Like, God had mm. entered that valley. 
And um, so we continue to take teams and just kind of, you know, pray, um, looking for for people who are in need. Uh, and we just kind of respond to, to, to different people who have, sometimes you're just going and, you know, there's people who ask, literally ask you, do you have medicine? Or, you know, what are you doing here, stranger? Can 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 you help with my my blindness? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and other times it's, what are you doing here? Please get out. Or what are you doing here? Please come into the office and we're going to interrogate you and ask you why mm-hmm. you're doing here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so um but praying is one just key strategy that we've been literally doing every possible way. Uh, you know, social media, physically praying on site, um, just just developing a culture of dependency and, and desperate prayer. And so Johnny, so when when you go, you just go to pray. You're not praying and say engaging people with the gospel. You're just going to prepare the way. Is that is that how it looks like? Yeah, it all depends on on. group that's going to pray Um, usually when we have foreign teams of course you know it's a bunch of white people walking through Mm. these you know um rural villages and so when we go with a group of foreigners we're usually just tourists you know quote unquote taking pictures Mm. interacting with people and 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 really praying for god to open the way and if there's opportunity usually some of the local guys kind of um you know engage but that's teams that are specifically for prayer mm-hmm. but there are other teams where we go with local believers and where we specifically go pray and look for people to engage and share the gospel and uh the gospel presentation of course it's it's you know it's um usually we talk god the creator and we we share a short story anywhere from 10 minutes to 30 minutes just mm. kind of sitting there hanging out with with a bunch of ladies or a bunch of old guys or a bunch of young kids and we tell the story of how God created the angels and the demons and the world, and all the way to this 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 person, this savior uh, called Jesus. And that takes a few minutes. Okay, um, so, so it's a it's a gospel presentation, but uh, in the form of a story that that right. shows God as sort of creator mm-hmm. and then sending mm-hmm. Jesus. That's right. That's right. Because in our context, the people are completely. On church, I mean, on on everything, mm-hmm. on Jesus, they have no concept of of, of a God, a, a Creator, uh, completely very strong animist background, uh, mm-hmm. but also a strong Buddhist influence as well. So we have to start literally from from scratch. And uh, even when people do come to faith in Jesus, usually they know Jesus first as healer mm-hmm. before they know Him as Savior, and it's a process of following up that takes many many weeks, many many months. Mm. Yeah, and uh, that follow-up involves getting them into the commands of Jesus and into the scriptures to discover that, you know, he's Savior and, and Lord over all these spirits that have held them in fear. Yes, yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, so I mentioned two things, uh, Steve. Number one is, as far as the team, we've, we've intentionally devoted our time to, to, to praying and the second thing was going, and within mm. going, we see that as intentionally making disciples that make disciples. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that is, for us, going is not just like, you know, you can't just hop in your car and go down, you know, the street to the inner city or wherever. Mm. Context. For us, you literally have to pack your bag. For some of us, it's just like a change of underwear and uh, get on our bikes and go for two hours and then go 
on on a paved road, then go for another three hours on a dirt road, then go for another two hours on a boat, and then you spend one to two hours with these guys, you know, in their fields or in their houses, and we go back the way we came. And then we come back two weeks later. <laughs> okay, so and, it's uh, really like the, the Luke, Luke 10, Matthew 10. Uh, yes. You, you just yes. go, you travel light, and you're looking for those persons of peace. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and as far as the follow-up process, um, you know, field two, as far as teaching them how to reproduce the gospel, and three, actually raising them up. Um, and and we, we've, um, so, you know, we've just been learning as we've been going, and, and I think it was in 2012 that, you know, I, um, I mean, I've heard many years, I mean, it, when, when you're working in the mission field, you hear about all kinds of you know, there's training rule trainers, and there's TEE, and there's all kinds of these. There's like a million different acronyms, mm. and so I, I began to really just just um, um, just get familiar with with one, which was you know T four T, and of mm. course uh, that book really helped uh, discipleship revolution revolution, and we began to really adapt that process to our context, and um, that is the process that we actually meet with these guys and these individuals. We don't actually meet with the groups in the village. Uh, we don't actually teach in front of, you know, um, the families and the groups, but we meet with individuals, whether they're two, three, or four, or five. We come together and meet for a few hours at a time and actually go through the process and practice with them, do accountability, cast vision, you know, do pastoral care, mm-hmm. give them a new lesson, one, sometimes two, and um, pray and send them out. And they are the ones who actually do the lessons with their groups. Okay, and that's um, what, I mean, uh, people will be familiar, some will be familiar with the, it's a three-thirds process mm-hmm. um, that you're doing there, but you're intentionally, you're not the one publicly pushing this forward. Once you've found um, some responsive people, you're discipling mm-hmm. them and sending them out into their village and into the, amongst their family and friends. That's right, that's right. And, and we make, again, we make the effort to actually go and be with them and, you know, I mean, to support them and love them 100%, but at the same time mm-hmm. saying, okay, you are the ones, um, you know, that God is going to use to reach your family and to reach your village and your valley. Because uh, so many times, especially in this Asian culture, um, you know, they just want, I mean, they're really good at copying, but they just want the leader, the, profession, the professional person just to do it all, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, again, trying not to create dependency, but at the, time, at the same time trying to love them and support them because um, part of going says, okay, we love you enough to meet you where you're at. And, 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 that's, and at the same time um, saying, okay, when you go back, uh, you are going to face difficulty. You are going to have questions. And, and every single group uh, that we've seen, every single church that has been started in the last two and a half years through um, persecution hmm. and um, that's one of our key lessons as well too and so so yeah definitely. so you actually take them through a discipleship lesson on persecution yes yeah that's yeah. I think uh, less or one of our our first lesson is, is, is just gospel um, hmm. you know and, and and how to share it and the second is baptism and then the third is God's authority over spirits because yeah. it speaks to their worldview, and the fourth is persecution. Wow. So mm-hmm. um, it's just you know we've had different where they were started, and then within one to two weeks, the police would come and they would say, "Where did you learn about mm-hmm. this 
this this white this this foreign uh, religion who taught you and why you know are you um believing it mm. and usually we, we equip them with their testimonies and um those who we don't equip in time um we've seen just fall away i know some you know we hear stories of uh churches that are very strong um despite persecution but the truth is i think the majority of people actually fall away mm. and um um that's usually in this culture people are very strong on okay um let's you know they they value social harmony that you know they value um being together they value you know equality and so if somebody is believing something that's different then that's going to have a negative effect on the rest of the village because the spirits are going to be upset and then the village leaders are going to be upset and so we've had groups that have been um persecuted and we've mm-hmm. had um individuals that have been in jail and uh Actually, at the moment, you know, if you think about it, pray for a new church. They're going through right now. Um, some of the police and village elders have held a meeting, and they want to evict um, about twenty believers mm. out of this village. Yeah, said, um, but we've encouraged them, and they, you know, give them different principles, like Matthew ten, um, just talking about how, um, you know. We're Jesus sending you out as lambs amongst wolves, uh, but don't be afraid for the sake of the gospel, right? Um, mm. You're going to be able to share your testimony, and the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words. And so giving them those principles, but at the same time, giving them some practical advice as far as share your testimonies. So on their own, they came up with the idea, that, okay, um, these new believers, the sunny people, they said, okay, we're going to invite these policemen and these village leaders to our house, and we're going to share our testimony with them, and we're going to answer their questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they came up with that idea kind of on their own, and 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 uh, so that's going to happen this week. And pray for them because they're very very new believers, uh, just just about four to five months. And just simple through. village folk, you know, having to to face government officials and police, where mm-hmm. uh, you know there's no higher authority, I think, in this country than government. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so they're they're taking a huge step of, of faith. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. So praying and and going are kind of the two major mm. um, activities and the two main things that we've just kind of focused on. And that's where uh, the majority of my time has been. It's really just just in, in more of a coaching role, uh, more of a um, coordinator type role, uh, just kind of from the background, uh, coaching and discipling individuals who are also coaching and discipling uh, guys who actually have groups in the field. And how are you seeing the gospel spread beyond you and your team and take root in people's lives and then spread to their friends and family? How is it going out through the new believers? Um, well, you know, in this context, especially in a village setting, you, you know, there's there there are no secrets. You know, some people like to say, "Oh, is is it underground church or is it above ground?" But that's kind of a, you know, um, I mean, there's no such thing in this context as an underground church because when you decide to step away from what everyone else believes, mm. it's very much an open thing. So faith, I mean, there's no secret faith. It's you either follow Jesus or you don't, mm. uh, and so. Um, two and a half years ago, um, besides Mrs. Yellow, who was a person of peace, there was another man uh, by the name of Mr. Tong Sin. And Mr. Tong Sin lives 
in the last village on the map. Like literally, we have to get on a motorbike and then a four-hour boat ride just to get to mm-hmm. his village. And so, <clears throat> a few years ago, we meet him for the very first time, and we hear Mr. Tongsin's story, and he shares with us. He says, "I was crazy and possessed by evil spirits, and I lived in the jungle." Right? He's telling me this story because he said my daughter died, and the spirits, you know, the spirits made her sick, and I was crazy and I was tormented, and so they put me in a cage, and all the shamans tried to help me, and but nothing could help. Right, and he and he said, "Well, my brother, who had heard about Jesus from uh, Mister So and So, right? So Grandpa So and So is um, uh, a very uh, mature believer from a district town, and so Tongsin says, I hear about Jesus from my brother who heard, who heard it from Grandpa, and so I began to bre- to beg and to plead Jesus, this Jesus, to help me and and to save me." And he said, as as I was pleading, you know, the bindings on my wrists began to fall off, and the bindings on my my ankles began to fall off. Like they they had tied him and they caged him. This guy was just a threat to hmm. people around him. He said, I was in my right mind, and I I, I came out of that um, that prison, that cage, and and told you know the elders what had happened, and they saw that that was changed, and so they let me go, and so I went and I to grandpa to find grandpa to learn more about what it meant to follow jesus and grandpa instructed him to to rid his house of, of all the idols and uh mr tongsin said I, I i obeyed and i did those things and from that point on the spirits never bothered me and all the other village villagers began to come to me they began to come to me for healing and for prayer and i began to pray for them and they were healed and then he begins to ask us some basic questions, right? So, um, what is it? So, how, how can I help them grow? Uh, what does it mean to to go inside the water and come out? And so, so again, Tong Sin was ministering and was was sharing the gospel. Mm. Though it was limited, um, but but because he obeyed, he was seeing fruit, and so. We began to disciple him uh, through this, you know, T for T, the, the three-thirds process. And over one month, two months, three months, I mean, there were just more families just kept coming to Christ. And um, six, seven months later, you know, Tong Sin, we see him again. We have some more trainings. And he says, you know, the, the elders um, actually re- respect me now because, you know, they know that I'm a believer and they know that I don't. Go to my fields on on, on Sunday. And so what do you mean? You know, we, well, on Sunday is the day that we worship and we have church. And so I pray to God that you know my fields would be healthy, even though I don't work. I don't work in the fields. Everyone else works on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they're out in the fields planting their rice. But I don't work on Sunday. And even though I don't work on Sunday, my rice is more abundant and more beautiful than ever. And I have more rice left over and i'm able to give it just to the leaders and the elders and the people in my village and i'm able to testify to other people you know um, about god because i have this abundance of rice and so here's here's john tong you know i'm here's uh sorry, here's mr tong sin a man who was possessed by evil spirits mm. now a pastor um, now very much respected in his community, and now just 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 giving of the blessings that that, that God has been given him, and in the last two and a half years, um, he's led over uh, 15 different families. He started another uh, second generation Sunny Church, uh, the first ever in a different valley, 
And in the entire province, there were no churches when we first started, mm. um, as far as sunny churches. And we've seen about nine to ten different churches in, in two and a half years. And from less than 30 um, believers amongst the sunny, uh, there's now close to 250 to 300. Uh, mm. Previously, we had no sunny believers to work with. Now we have now we have um, a good chunk of leaders that we can actually raise up and, and, and work in their heart and language. Uh, but I'm praying for you know long-term sustainability. Um, I'm praying for complete worldview transformation. You know, for Mrs. Yellow, it took her probably one month to just learn the gospel. It took her two months to 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 probably just memorize a few scripture verses, you know, and 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 some songs. It took her six months to be completely free of uh, fear. You know, fear is a huge um, bondage in this place. Just just to not be scared of the spirits and the voices. And um, I mean, seven eight months down the road, she's completely free. You know, and she's actually other people and her her and her family are 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 the actual pastors in her church now in her village um but again it takes months of 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 just discipling and 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 worldly transformation and so and so what we're trusting god for is more um people both foreign workers and both local workers who are willing to to be intentional you know not just go to trainings and not just talk about going and praying Mm. and making disciples and not talking about persecution but actually you know living it out 